Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple Computer, once wrote, listen to this quote. He said, one of my mantras has been focus and simplicity. He said, simple can be harder than complex. You have to work hard to get your thinking clean to make it simple. But it's worth it in the end because once you get there, you can move mountains, end quote. Think about that. Steve Jobs just said that we should focus and simplicity. And, and, and I think when we come to our study this morning, I believe we need to take Steve's advice. You say, how so? I think we need to find the beauty in simplicity. The beauty in simplicity. You see, Paul, the apostle, he's going to dedicate all of this chapter to explain to us the difference between two really standout spiritual gifts. Understand, okay? That's kind of where we've been. He's going to talk about tongues, and he's going to talk about prophecy. Now, whenever it comes to speaking in tongues or prophecy or even the gifts of the Spirit, people sort of just, oh, I'm not sure about them. And, 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 and a, lot of, a lot of pastors don't dig into them, but yet Paul wants to talk about them. And what they have done, guys, is they have taken these verses and they have twisted them and just made them complex. They've made them to where people can't understand it, and then, and then we get a scared. They, they, have, they have made it so complex that two camps have actually arisen out of these verses. You go, what's that? Well, if you're taking note, you have camp number one. You go, what's that? It's those who are really afraid of spiritual gifts. Okay, they'll go from chapter 12 and chapter 13, they will, they'll avoid Romans and they'll go, oh, no, 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 I don't understand any of this. I, especially tongues, especially prophecy, I want nothing to do with them. And these group of people have read chapters 12 to 14 and they declare, nope, not for me. No way, no how, mm 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 And this sort of thing freaks them out, okay? I'll... I can tell you the story of the first time I ever heard someone speak in tongues. I was newly saved, newly saved, about 17 years old. I was with my best friend, and we went with his dad to a church meeting, okay? We went up in the mountains in this little this little Spanish church, and this little, and they were having a uh, well, Sunday night service. I just like hanging out with my friends, so we went up there. And while we were worshiping and singing and stuff, this person, I don't know who it was, got up and started speaking in tongues. And I had no clue. It scared me. I was like, what? She was speaking in a language I didn't understand at all. And number one, who was controlling this? Okay, was it her? Was I mean, this is weird, right? Because spiritual stuff just kind of, it freaks us out if we don't understand it. So I, I don't know about this. And I remember going, boy, that, that lady started speaking in some sort of, and they were trying to explain to me, but I was uninformed. I hadn't understood the scripture at all. And so it really freaked me out. That was the camp. It's like, oh, I don't know about this. But the second camp, guys, is a little bit different. When we make the scripture complex, then this camp arose, and it was those who pursue the gifts above the word of God and above love. 
Okay, that would be their focus. They they would fully exercise the gifts. We want the gifts. We want the tongues. We want the prophecy. Yeah, come on, church service. But what they would do it is they would do it in an unbiblical manner. Okay, they wouldn't do it based upon Scripture. As a matter of fact, if you recall, this is why Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. The church in Corinth, according to chapter 1, verse 7, they had all the gifts and they were exercising them. Okay, so in your mind, I want you to go back to first century. I want you to see the church and think about as they gather together what was happening in the church. There were gifts being used all the way around, so much so that they would you would actually see maybe abusing the gifts, maybe misusing the gifts. And so Paul goes, oh, okay, in the church service, I've got to correct what's going on. Now, you and I, in this 2020, we've definitely seen our share of churches that have abused and misused the gifts. You have seen something on TV, or maybe you have watched something on YouTube where you go, is this really God? It really freaked you out. It was like, oh, and you're just like, oh, my goodness. So, and so, so Paul wants to correct this. Okay? Paul wants to correct this because this is what's going on in the church. Now, To fully understand what's going on, I need to take you back just a moment, okay? Because the book of Corinthians, remember, it's a whole book in in, in its entirety, and Paul wrote to the Corinthian church to correct five problems. Five problems were happening in the church. Now, we've already talked about about three of them. The first one is there were divisions in the church, right? Chapters one through four, there were divisions. There were people standing up going, I like my pastor. No, my pastor is better than your pastor. Don't go to your pastor. Come to my pastor. And they were dividing the body of Christ. You go, what's that really happening? Read it. Some said, hey, I'm of Apollos. Hey, I'm of Cephas. Peter's my guy. No, 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 no. Peter's not the guy. Jesus is the guy. And they were dividing the body of Christ. Paul says, guys, stop. The centrality is Christ and Christ alone. You need to follow Jesus. The second problem in the church was there was sexual immorality. There was one guy in the church that was probably either sleeping with his mother-in-law or his stepmom. But nonetheless, the elders of the church were like, it's okay, we're all under grace. And Paul said, stop. No, there's some, there's some issues about sexual immorality. And see, you and I can relate to that because that's happening in our day. There's sexual immorality in our day, in, 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 in the times we live in. Do you realize, do you realize, church, that eight out of ten men struggle with pornography in the church today? They struggle with that. Women are catching up very quickly, so we know that something is going on. Well, Paul says, man, I gotta, I gotta talk to you about sex. I gotta talk to you about singleness. I gotta talk to you about this. And he says this. Paul makes it, guys, super clear that as a follower of Jesus, it involves no compromise when it comes to sexual integrity. So Paul says, listen, if you're gonna follow Jesus, don't compromise your walk. In such sexual integrity, you have to be on point. Like, okay, okay. In chapters 8 through 10, the third issue was that of food. Some people were asking him, is it, is it okay to have a hamburger that was sacrificed to an idol? And Paul goes even deeper in that. I know I'm being silly, but you guys understand. It was, it was idol worship in the food. And Paul says, listen, the food is not the problem. Keep your eyes. And so he addresses really this, um, more food that are sacrificed to idols. And then he comes to chapter chapters 11 through 14. This is kind of where we've been hanging out. Okay, You go, what problem was going on? 
he's going to address problems in their weekly worship gatherings, okay? You need to, you need to put on your thinking caps because that's exactly what he's going to talk about. He's going to say, okay, when we come together as a church, we've got to talk. We've got some, we've got some issues. You go, okay, we'll, 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 we'll like what? He said, now, your worship gatherings are awesome. When you guys get together and worship the Lord, this is so cool. Here's the problem. You have some really powerful worship services, and the pastor is teaching you the word of God, and somebody will get up and start speaking in tongues because their emphasis is on the gifts. And another person might say, oh, no, 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 that's not the tongues. I want to prophesy. Thus saith the Lord. And he says, and it's disrupting the whole fellowship because all of a sudden, God's going, okay, where's the word of God and where's love because we're all trying to compete. And, and the worship service was just, and Paul says, now I've got to, I've got to correct this. I've got to correct this. And so he says, okay, so how do I correct this? Well, the very first thing he says, I need to break down this problem. So in chapter 12, he says, let's talk about, let's talk about unity in the diversity of gifts. Okay. Now in chapter 11, if you recall, he was talking about communion and what was happening there. Okay, they were having communion, they were having these pot blessings, if you will, right before church services, and the rich people were coming in and eating all the good food, and the poor people were not having anything, and Paul says, no, 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 that's not how we do it, we need to love each other, and we should all be equal. He says, by the way, as far as the church service, once you come inside the sanctuary, he says, the spiritual gifts, let's talk about unity, let's talk about the purpose of the gifts, and he says, and there's a variety of gifts, guys, it's not just tongues, and it's not just prophecy, okay? Because those were the two main gifts that everybody wanted. How so? Why would that be? I'll tell you why. Because when somebody gets up and speaks in tongues, we think them super spiritual. Wow. Really? Or if someone prophesies in that sense, you're just like, and, and so everybody wanted to say, look at me, look at me, I, I, I can speak in tongues, I'm going to speak, I'm going to, when I go to church, I'm going to let them know I can speak in tongues. And so Paul says, no, 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 I need to address this. But before I address tongues and prophecy, there's got to be, there's got to be something sandwiched in between. You go, what's that? He says, it's chapter 13, it's the love chapter. He says, listen, if you're, if you're having all these gifts and you're prophesying, you're speaking in tongues and you're in the variety of gifts, but you're doing it without love, he says, you're like, well, you're like making a bunch of noise. Nobody's listening. He says, we got to have love. we got to have love. And if that was enough, have chapter 13, he says, I'm giving you the definition of love, right? Last week, he told us what? That love suffers long. It's very patient. That love, guys, it doesn't behave rudely. It's not ugly towards people. Love believes all things, bears all things, hopes all things. He says, this is what love is, and you've got to have that. It's important to have the gifts. Can I get an amen? But you've got to have love. You've got to have love. And so he's talked to us, and then he comes to chapter 14. He says, okay, so you understand the love, and everybody goes, yes, I got love. Okay, he says, now, in chapter 14, we're going to deal with the gifts of prophecy, and the gifts of tongues, okay? Let's dig deep into that is what he wants us to say. Now, the past few weeks, guys, we've been talking about spiritual gifts. Now, I need to give you the Greek word because I want you to see what it really means. In the plural, the Greek word is uh, pneumakita, pneumakita, right? And what it means pertaining to the Holy Spirit. So when he talks about spiritual gifts, you'll notice in chapter 12, verse 1, that gifts is in italics, which means it wasn't there in the original language. And so what Paul is saying is saying, this is the 
These are the works of the Holy Spirit. This is how he's going to do. And that's why he goes on to say there's diversity of gifts, there's, there's ministries, there's all kinds of stuff. He wants the body functioning properly. And so he says, okay, here's the pneumachita, which means pertaining to the Holy Spirit. Now, I love Paul's heart because before he starts digging into the gifts, he says, now, concerning the pneumachita, the, 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 the things that pertain to the Holy Spirit, he says, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. And he's not saying, listen, I don't want you to be dumb. You guys are a bunch of, you guys are a bunch of dummies. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, I don't want you to be unaware. In other words, he says, now concerning what you wrote to me about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, he says, I want you to know the truth about them, my dear brothers and sisters. So can you see his heart? Here's why. Because there's two ways of correcting people. Don't you, don't you realize that? There's two ways. Sometimes there's the frustrated way and the angry way. Well, I told you to do this. I told you you should do this. This is how I told you to do that. And that's angry. And, and so, so there's a level of fear in correction. But there's also to correct lovingly. And that's what Paul does. Paul says, listen, I want to, I want to portray the heart of Christ because I want you to have the heart of Christ. And part of correcting is correcting lovingly. And that's what he does. Why? Because he calls them family. He calls them brethren, but he also says, hey, listen, here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to be unaware. I don't want you to be, I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be ignorant. Well, this morning, guys, Paul is going to go deeper concerning tongues and prophecy. Okay? Now, for you to fully understand what God's word says, we have to, we have to break it down. We have to unpack it really well. And you go, what do you mean? When it comes to tongues, okay, that is the Greek word glossia, okay? And the two types of tongues that the Bible seems to be teaching us is there's a heavenly language that you speak to God and God alone. You may not know what it is. You're speaking the words and you know it's a spiritual thing. But glossia actually means a language. It's a dialect. It's speech. So it could be Spanish, English. It could be Russian. It could be Hebrew. It could be Greek. I mean, you just, there's, there's another language. So, so they're sort of encompassing. So he says, this is tongues. This is tongues. Everybody got that? Glossia is speaking. He says, but the other problem is, he says, the other, the other spiritual gift is prophecy. When we hear prophecy, we go, oh, hold up, time out, because we think it's thus saith the Lord, yada, yada, yada. Hey, this is my prophecy. In five days, something is going to happen to you. Or the, That's not what prophecy is. In the church setting, prophecy, he says, encompasses teaching forth God's word, saying God's word, encouraging through God's word. So every one of us, as we teach and we exhort we're actually exercising the gift of prophecy in the church setting. You guys with me? Okay? So you know tongues. You know tongues. Okay? So we have to unpack it. Okay? And so we finished up last week. We finished up with Paul writing in chapter 13, verse 11. It said this, When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, he said, I put away foolish things. Now, this is key because first and foremost, Paul says, hey, when I was a kid, I acted like a kid. I thought as a kid because I was a kid. He said, but as I grew up, I started, I, I put away those foolish things. And don't you, don't you think about it a little bit differently? Wouldn't it be weird for a grown man to be in the kiddie pool? Right? Wouldn't it be weird? Without a kid, 
You know what I mean? Like if you're in a kid with a kiddie pool, it's like, oh, well, that's daddy and he's playing. But here you are, a grown man, and you're splashing all these toddlers. Woo, I'm just like, sir, are you okay? Yes, I just never learned to swim in the big pool. But I love the kiddie pool. They'd be like, you need to get out. You need to get out. You cannot be in the two feet kiddie pool. These kids are afraid of you. Would it not freak us out? Come on, you actually have an image in your head of some grown man playing inside the little two feet kiddie pool. You're saying, get in the big pool. That's what Paul says. Paul says, listen, when I was a kid, I played in the kiddie pool. That was so cool. But now I'm an adult. I don't play in the kiddie pool anymore. I want to. And he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna link that up, guys, if you're taking note, with chapter 14, verse 20. Okay, he's going to link that up. Okay, don't you just love Paul? Paul just brings everything so beautifully together. He just does that. And then he says this. He says in verse 12 of chapter 13, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. Look at that verse, guys. This is so cool. Why? Well, my friend John, who went to be with the Lord this past this last Sunday, last Sunday night, he went to be with the Lord. John used to invite me to coffee all the time. And he would sit and we'd have coffee. And he'd, Pastor, I need to ask you a question. Let me ask you a question here. What about this? And what about that? And he had tons of questions. And then when we went to the funeral... On Thursday, my wife looked at me and she goes, do you think John has any more questions? I said, no, all his questions are answered right now. Because Paul says down here, we see dimly. We see through a fog like a mist. He says, but then the weather's going to clear up and you're going to see, and you're going to see him and you'll know him face to face. And here's the question you won't ask in heaven. Why? You won't ask that in heaven. See, down here you go, why this? Why does this happen? Why does that happen? Why am I like this? Why? What's going on? Why Why did my mom have to die when I was 18 months old? I don't understand that. But when he says, but, but eventually that's going to clear up when you get to heaven and you'll go, oh, I know. I know. That's what Paul says. And then he says now, here, he says now, abide where? In faith, hope, and love, these three... He says, but the greatest of this is love. Guys, what's he telling us? He's saying the greatest of this is love. He says, man, you need to have what? Faith. And you need to have hope. But love is the greatest thing. And that's where he picks up. Remember, same thought process. Chapter 14, verse 1 says this. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Your attention, please. Remember, we just defined what tongues were. Tongues, glossia speaking, different language. Prophecy is different. He says, now, now, here's what he says. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. But the gift I want you to desire the most is to prophesy. Be, okay, what's the beauty in simplicity? The beauty in simplicity is that we don't come, we don't make it complex, but we, we see how simple Paul is trying to teach us. Well, how so? Well, the first thing we need to do is love is key, right? It needs to be wrapped in love. Okay? Love should be that big jacket, right, that you put on in the middle of the winter. Oh, it's so warm and cozy. But the word desire, 
guys, because he says, pursue love, and we go, amen, but he says, but desire spiritual gifts. He goes, what's that mean? Guys, it means to be earnest, to set one's heart on, to be completely intent on. So he says, now you need to desire these things. Here's why. Because if you end up in camp number one, you go, no, I don't want anything to do with the gifts. No, please. Oh, I don't, they just freak me out. You know, Paul says, no, it's okay. It's okay. Anything pertaining to the Holy Spirit, guys, is good. He says, pursue. He says, he says, desire those spiritual gifts. That means as believers, you should be asking the Lord, give me your, give me the spiritual gifts. He says, but, but especially that you may prophesy. And we go, I don't like that word, Pastor, because it says, thus saith the Lord, and I've heard prophecies, and I'm not a prophet. No, no, no. Okay, okay, let's see the context. Let's see the context. Prophesy means to speak under the influence of divine inspiration, to speak forth God's worth for edification. That's what it means. You go, oh, I'm not afraid of that. Of course I want to speak. I want God to speak through me. For the edification of others. Of course. Of course. Why? Everybody ask why. That's important, right? Because then Paul says, well, let me tell you, verse 2. He says, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. Why? Why would he want you to prophesy? Because he says, because I want you to desire spiritual gifts. Amen? He says, but. He says, when you have the gift of tongues, he says, you're not speaking to men, you're speaking to God. Now, here's what I want you to write down in your Bibles, okay? Tongues is a praise language. Tongues is a praise language, okay? This is what it is. When you speak in tongues, guys, you're speaking directly to God, and you are praising God, and this will edify you. Okay? Paul says, I want you to desire that gift. I want you to have that gift. You go, well, that's not what I was taught. Well, let me tell you what tongues is not, okay? This is what tongues is not. Tongues is not a thus saith the Lord, okay, right? To my children, walk in holiness, shame on you. That's not tongues, okay? You might have been, you might have grown up in a certain church service where they speak in tongues and it's always been a, oh my goodness, you feel so bad because he goes, oh my children, why are you leaving me? Why are you sinning against me? Why are you doing this, this, and this? And you're going, oh, we feel so bad. Somebody spoke in tongues and God was speaking to us. Listen, God's already spoke to us. Okay? So, Speaking in tongues, Paul says, that's a praise language. That's a praise language. You're, you're being edified by speaking in tongues. Okay? You go, well, what else is it not? Here's what we got to be careful. It is not evidenced of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. When a lot of people get saved, they go, oh, okay, you're saved now? Well, you need the Holy Spirit. Well, how do I know? Well, you'll speak in tongues. Well, but I haven't spoken in tongues. I don't know. Does that mean I'm not saved? I don't know. You better check your You better check your salvation. That's not what it means. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit, which means being, when the Holy Spirit is in you and comes upon you, it, the evidence really is love. It's a different kind of love that you have for, for each other and for, and for people. It really is. But you go, oh no, he's speaking. It's not that. That's not what it is. Paul tells us exactly what it is. You go, what's that? It's a praise language from us to God. It's a praise language. It's both a heavenly language. I don't understand what I'm saying, but I know I'm praising God. 
And in the Greek term, it's, now listen, it's speech and dialect. It's communication. It's language. You go, oh. And then Paul tells us, guys, according to this verse, notice, he says, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men. So when you speak in tongues, you're not speaking to men. You're speaking to God. And says, because no one understands them. And he says, it edifies who? It edifies us. Unless there's an interpreter. You go, wait, wait, now I'm confused, Ben. I thought tongues, what's he talking about? Guys, put your thinking caps on in the church service. Okay, he's talking about the church service. So if sister over here gets up and she starts speaking in tongues, Paul says, listen, that's not going to be very good unless somebody can interpret it. Okay? And then in verses 6, guys, in verses 6 through 15, Paul's going to give us why tongues is not profitable in the church service unless there's an interpreter. Okay? So we're trying to categorize all this in our brain. We want to really understand and we want to apply this. Why? Well, look at verse 3. He says this, But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. That's the reason. The reason is that when you prophesy, and Paul encourages you to to exercise that gift, to desire that gift, because you're going to speak edification. What does that mean? It means to refer to spiritual growth of the person or the congregation. You're going to exhort somebody, hey, you can do it. I know life is tough. Come on, I'm going to lift up your hands. I I want you to grow. That's exhortation. Do you guys understand? And he says, oh, that's edification. Exhortation is to cause someone to be encouraged and to comfort. That's the last one, to reassure and to console. So when, guys, you say, oh, I want the gift, I want the gift of prophecy, here's what you're doing. You're encouraging people in their walks because you know what they've gone through. You've probably been through it. You're encouraging to hang in there. You're encouraging to give, put their hope in God, not in the world. You're encouraging them. You're also what? You're also exhorting them to be encouraged and to be and to and to lift up their spiritual growth. And then you know that they're that life is still hard in times, and so part of your exhortation and edification in your prophecy is to comfort someone. I understand. It'll be okay. It'll be all right, I promise. I've I went through that myself. And here's the thing, guys, this is what he's saying. He's saying, but you, he who prophesies. And you're speaking edification. You're thinking, now here's, here's the beauty of simplicity. Verse four. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Tongues, it's really simple. Tongues edifies the person. Prophecies builds up the church. Now, pastor, how do I, how do I use this gift in the church service? Because I don't want to interrupt the church service. Now, here's how it works. You come into church, you fellowship, and what happens is you go to somebody, you say, hey, brother, how you doing? Man, I, man I've had a hard week, man. The gift, God divinely speaks through you. Encouragement, guys, it speaks edification, and you're able to lift each other up. That's what it's there for. See, every one of us that's a believer has been given a gift from God. And we love to exercise that gift. But the gift of prophecy, he's going, man, in the church service, you need to exercise that. Well, no, that's just a pastor's job to exercise the gift of No, Paul's saying, we, we, we do this. Why? Because we're all called to build up the body of Christ. 
And so Paul says, okay, okay, here's, here's what I want you to learn. He who speaks in a tongue, he's going to edify himself. You go, amen. But he who prophesies edifies the church. Now Paul says, I wish, I wish you all spoke with tongues. I wish you did. Desire that. He says, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongues. Unless, indeed, he interprets that the church may receive edification. Okay, so Paul reminds the church, if you do speak in tongues, make sure there's an interpreter so that we can receive edification. Do you guys remember what edification was? It refers to spiritual growth of a person and the congregation. So he says, man, if you're going to interpret that, make sure that we we can receive edification. Now, Paul, anticipating our thoughts, goes, okay, wait a minute. We're talking about church service, so what should we do? He says, now, let me do this. In the church setting, okay, in the worship service, he says, let me just say this. Tongues are not profitable to the church unless there's an interpreter, okay? So that's what he's going to do. Verses 6 through 15, he's going to say, let me just say, let me just show you what it is. Look at verse 6. He says, but now, brethren... If I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall it profit you? Unless I speak to you by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching. You go, what is Paul saying? Here's what he's saying. He says, man, if I come to you and all I do is is pray privately in a way that he can understand, what are you going to get out of that? If I don't address you plainly with some insight or some truth or a proclamation or a teaching, what does that profit you? And then he looks at you and he smiles and he says, how is that going to help you in life? Let me explain it this way. Let me illustrate it this way. Let's say we all come to church service. You guys come to the 11 o'clock. You're ready to receive the word of God. We go through the worship. Your heart opens up. You're lifted up your hands. You're worshiping God. And then I get up here and I go, okay, here's what we're going to do. Amen. Everybody here? Yep. And then I go into a private prayer speaking in tongues and you're sitting there for 45 minutes going, what is he saying? And you have your Bibles open going, I, 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 and I'm over here and you know, you know, and you're just going, okay, that's not, that's what Paul is saying. He says, listen, unless I come to you exercising the gift of prophecy through the pulpit, through the word of God, he says, it doesn't edify you at all. It doesn't edify. Wouldn't it be better if I came, opened up the scripture, and explained it to you, so you walked away going, oh, I love my Jesus even more? Wouldn't it be better if you come and I explain the word of God and go, oh, I didn't know that. See, I used to be afraid of tongues, but now I'm not, because I know, I know it's a work of God's Holy Spirit, and I'll be, I'll be subject to God's Holy Spirit, not to what I've been taught in the past. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And so what does he do? He's going to illustrate the teaching. Don't you love Paul? Here's what Paul does. He'll give you the principle, and he says, now let me illustrate it so you really get it. And this is what he does in verse 7 and 8. He says, hey, hey guys, even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? Isn't that true? He says, these are things that are just, these are things that are without life. And if you don't know how to play a certain note or the key, he says, then they're just making noise. You just don't understand that. He says, now, battle, think about this. If you don't know how to do the proper battle sound on the trumpet, people will be like, what's going on? Well, the enemy's attacking. Yeah, but he's going, doot, doot, 
You know, he doesn't know how to see. He just, it just, that's what he's going. He's going, who would prepare for battle? Doesn't it make sense to us? You go, what's that? The guitar has to be played in the right note, in the right key, or it doesn't make any music. That's what Paul is saying. And then so he's taking it one step further. So likewise, you, unless you utter by a tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of tongues in the world that none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks. And and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Do you guys catch that? That's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, if I come in and I speak a language and, and I'm just talking a language and he says, we're really become foreigners. We're not communicating. Okay. And the funniest story that ever happened to me sort of happened like this, right? There was one time, Nathalie, myself and Talia, we went out to eat and we went out to eat at this very popular Mex- Mexican restaurant. Okay. And I went into the Mexican restaurant, and I know I know Spanish, but I don't know Spanish fluently. I mean, I can understand a few words, and I can get by, but I don't know the 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 I don't know the Spanish of the Mexican dialect. There's some few words that are different, and and so it it trips me up. Okay, you guys with me? I'm just so I went into the Mexican restaurant. We went in, and I saw a friend of mine, and I said, "Hola, cómo estás?" And he came out, and he started talking to me, and I was like. I had no idea what he, I mean, he was talking fast and he was using words. And I'm like, and Nathalie and Talia are laughing at me. They're like, what did he say? I'm like, beans? I don't know. Right? And so till this day, they sat here and they'll laugh at me because I started a conversation, but I could not. I was a foreigner because I had no idea what he was saying. And he's, he's thinking I understand and I'm just smiling. No comprende nada, I said. And he was a foreigner because he didn't understand. I mean, I couldn't speak to him. He's just like, so So, now, so when I go in now, I just wave. <laughs> Hello. That's all I know because I, I can't get in a conversation. And that's what Paul is telling us, guys. He's saying, listen, listen, if, we, if we're not able to communicate with words that we both understand, then we're just foreigners to each other. That's what tongues is. Tongues, you're talking to God and you're speaking to God. And without an interpreter, now, listen, if I had an interpreter, wouldn't that be different? Hola, como estas? Well, he said, how are you doing? What are you doing here today? What are you going to have today? I've had a special. I'd be like, oh, okay, I understand that. That's the interpreter. You see the difference. I'm edified by what he's saying and vice versa. I could say in English, well, I, we're here with my family. They're making fun of me, blah, 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 blah. And he would laugh and so forth. But, but verse 12 is the key. Why? Because here's what he says. Notice what he says. Even so you... Since you are zealous for the spiritual gifts, let it be done, how church, for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. You go, Ben, why is this important? You can highlight it, underline it, because here's what it does. Verse 12 teaches us what love does. This is what love does. You go, what does it mean? See, love teaches us to build up others, to encourage others, to comfort others. And this is exactly what he says the gifts should do. The gift should, I know you're zealous, he says, but you should exercise the gifts for the edification of others, of others. 
all the gifts that you use. Now listen, he's talking about prophecy and he's talking about tongues, but what if, he's, what if we have the gift of helps? What if we have the gift of administration? What if we have the gift of knowledge and wisdom? All those should be to edify the body of Christ. Right? That's what love does. Love builds up. Love encourages. Listen, it's not love if you're, being, if you're putting down and you're discouraging and you're breaking and you're cutting and you're collapsing your own home. That's not love, because love builds up. Love builds up. Verse 13 says, therefore, right? Let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. Amen. He says, for if I pray in a tongue with my spirit praise, my my understanding is what? Unfruitful. I don't know what I'm saying. What is the conclusion then? That I will pray with the Spirit and also pray with understanding. God, as I'm speaking to you, help me to understand. I will sing with the Spirit and I will also sing with the understanding. Why is that important? This is important because he says now, because because the gifts should manifest the love that we just talked about in chapter 13. Oh, because other people matter. Others matter. And he's going to explain that to us here in the next verses, right? So why these gifts should be done decently in order? Why is it important? Here's why. Because of others. Others. Okay? Throughout the years, I've had people come to me in this church and say, Pastor Ben, why can't we speak in tongues during service? Or Pastor Ben, why aren't the gifts used? Or why isn't this happening? And why isn't this happening? Why is it Calvary Chapel? Oh, I don't know if we like that. Here's why. Because of others. Because of people. And Paul explains that to us. Watch, check it out. Look at verse um, 16. He says, Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks, since he doesn't understand what you say? For indeed, if you give thanks well, but the other is not edified. Okay? What's he talking about? Look at me, church. Church service. Church service, somebody comes in, starts speaking in tongues, you know, and, and really praising God, and you have somebody who has no idea look and go, oh, they're not edified. How are they going to say, amen, yes, praise the Lord, thank you, Jesus? He says, they won't, they won't. If you're speaking in tongues right in the middle of church, and and for example, a visitor who's not saved yet, or one who hasn't been taught the Bible his response would be, whoa, that's weird. I didn't know they did that. I don't know what's going on. I don't understand. And he says, and although you're praising the Lord, why would you be praising the Lord in tongues? Because tongues is a praise language. He said, your visitor, your guest will not be edified. How so, Paul? Paul says, well, look, guys, I thank my God that I speak with tongues more than y'all. Did you see that? Paul is from Texas. He says y'all. He says you all, but we'll just put y'all. I thank my God that, guys, listen, Paul would Paul spoke in tongues more than everybody in Corinth. But he says, yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. Okay. I'd rather come to you today and say this. God loves you very much. Pastor, I needed to hear that. I needed to know that I'm loved. God loves you very much. Then to come over here and speak 10,000 words in something you don't understand. That's what Paul says. I'd rather edify you. I'd rather exhort you. I'd rather build you up. You're important to me. You're loved. You're valued. You're somebody. You matter. 
That's what Paul is trying to get to the church. You matter. Guys, I want you to desire the spiritual gift of tongues. I want you to desire that. Lord, this week, God, give me that gift of speaking in tongues. But teaching, exhorting, comforting is better in the worship setting. How does it play out? A lot of it comes from the pulpit. Okay? You're sitting here, you're going through something, something very, very private, very, very close to your heart, and pastor touches on it through the word of God and gives you encouragement. You go, man, that was the gift of prophecy. He, how would he know? He knows that I, I needed that. Okay? If it doesn't come from the pulpit, guys, it comes from fellowship as you're walking out and you're talking to each other. Hi, how are you? How's your day going? You okay? No, I'm really not. I'm really struggling with this. Oh, I understand. Did you know I went through that? No, I didn't know you went through that. How did you get through this? Well, you know, here's some things that I did, and, and can I just pray with you? And you walk out of here being edified. You being comforted. Oh, because half the time, here's what the enemy wants to do. The enemy wants to make us think that we're all alone, and we're doing it all alone, and that nobody else can relate, nobody else, and, and you'd be judged by, by the stuff you think and the stuff you're going through. Amen? Isn't that what he does? You're all alone. Nobody cares. Trust me, you're the only one with this problem. No, 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 no. We all have the problem. And see, as a matter of fact, Psalm says as you go through that you and I are digging pools of um, refreshment for those who come behind us. And so the stuff you're going through now, you're digging a pool. And so that when somebody else comes and goes, man, I didn't, oh, somebody's been here before. Oh, this water is good. I needed this. That's what we're doing spiritually. So everything in your life, guys, has a purpose. Everything God is going to use for a purpose, but he's not necessarily use it for us mainly, but for others. So next time you go through a really hard thing, you go, oh, I wonder who this is for because I'm going to dig a pool right here because I know somebody's going to go through this. Lord, help me to keep going, but I'm digging a pool. I'm digging a pool. Verse 20, what does Paul say? Brethren, do not be children in understanding. However, in, the, in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature, right? What's he saying? Remember he said, as a child, I spoke as a child, but now he comes back and he's tying these two in. He's going, hey, family, he says, he says don't, don't be like little children when it comes, don't, 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 don't be going, what? I don't understand. He says, now, when it comes to malice and it comes to evil, yeah, be babes. Don't, don't you know what? You don't have to worry about that stuff. Don't try to understand all the evil in the world. He says, but in understanding of the word of God, he says, be mature. Be mature. Yesterday at the men's fellowship, we had a great time. But in Proverbs chapter 2, Solomon, he challenged us to, to, to be men that, that, really, that, that, that go hard after it, that really, that really strive to be better, to, to work hard to have a godly life. And so this is, he's saying, listen, this is what we need to do. For us to be men, we gotta, we gotta do it with, with, with understanding. We gotta be mature about it. We gotta mature about it. Well, all of a sudden, as Paul's teaching, okay, so, so I wanna make this clear. Tongues, right? We know what tongues is, right? Tongues is speaking to God, right? It's, it's us speaking to God, praises of God. Amen? And sometimes it's a language in a setting to where somebody else understands that. It could be a Spanish language. It could be a, a, a Chinese language, literally. It could be Russian. It could be Greek. It could be Hebrew. It could be Italian. It's just a different language. Everybody understand that, okay? 
Prophecy, we know, is divinely telling forth God's word, comforting, exhorting, and um, edifying. But now he changes it. He, ch- he says, okay, well, because well, we're going, okay, so we understand what it is. But now notice what Paul says. Paul says, therefore, okay, so whenever we see a therefore, we got to go, we need to know what it's there for. And so he says, therefore, tongues are a sign, okay, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. What? Paul, you're, you're tripping. He goes, no, no, but prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Okay, so what's going on? Well, let me explain. Paul teaches us that tongues are intended, okay, to function as a sign of God's activity. When tongues is rightly practiced, tongues has the power to draw people to God. You go, what do you mean? Well, if you were circling, if you're a note taker, if you circle the word sign, Paul says, therefore, because of verse 21, tongues is a sign not to the church, but to unbelieving Jews. The only time that tongues is accepted in a church setting, you guys got to help me here, is if there is an interpreter. That's the only, you, you understand that, right? Because now he just said that tongues is a sign, not for the believers, but for the unbelievers. You go, well, how does this play out? Let me tell you. Remember, the Greek word is glossia, okay? It it's, it's means language, okay? Speech, dialect. And, and let, let me just show you this, okay? Acts chapter 2. Okay, here is where Paul says this is the evidence of unbelieving Jews at Pentecost. Acts chapter 2, it says this. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, and we were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterances. That's what, think about this. Here we are in church. We hear this mighty rush in the Holy Spirit, right? We've been praying, and now we're speaking in other dialects, in other tongues, as the Spirit gave an utterance. You go, well, how does it, how does it draw unbelievers in? It says, now, in verse 5, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. There are all kinds of people there. He goes, oh, And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together. They were confused. Why were they confused? Because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Right? And they were amazed and they marveled, saying to one another, Look, are these not all who speak Galileans? You all are are the same and yet you're speaking in in my language. How did that happen? Wow! All these men are coming up going, I heard you speak in marvelous. I heard you speak in Koine Greek. I heard you speak in classical Greek. I heard you speak in beautiful Italian. I heard you speak in whatever language was, was, was filling the man's heart. Oh, man, I heard you speak in beautiful Spanish. It was so beautiful, the words that you were speaking to God. How can it be? You're not Spanish. You're Galilean. You're, you're Gentile. How could a Gentile speak just beautiful classical Hebrew? 
Well, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. See, because in verse 11, it says this. There were certain men there, and they heard him speaking in tongues the wonderful works of God. What were they speaking? It's a praise language. It's a praise language. So there we are. All of a sudden, man, the Holy Spirit fills the place, and people outside the church are going, you're praising God in my language. Okay? So what does that do? Well, Paul just said, listen, tongues was a sign to draw unbelievers into the church. Wow, I heard you. Oh, how could that be? How could that be? That's amazing. That's amazing. In beautiful Spanish, you were praising the Lord, and I know you don't know how to speak Spanish. See, I used to think, man, I want to go to Mexico as a missionary, or I want to go to Spain. I want to speak beautiful Spanish so that I can communicate with the people. But see, the word of God said, here's the communication. You would just be simply telling them the wonderful works of God through Spanish. And people will go, well, your last name is Martinez. You speak Spanish. No, I want to speak the beautiful Spanish that you know. I was like, no, I don't, I don't understand that. I, I couldn't speak it if I tried. It was through the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, but you were, you were praising God. You were worshiping Lord. And, and you, were, you were saying things about God that was so incredible, so mind-blowing. I want to know more about your God. You guys understand? That's why it's a sign for unbelievers. And so that's where Paul says, Paul tells us, guys, listen, listen. Therefore, tongues is a sign for those who don't believe, but to unbelievers. Oh, I want something. He said, but prophesying, that's different. Why? Because prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. When you come in here and you speak the word of God, you guys nod your head like, I believe, pastor. Amen. Amen. And so as we come to the end of our study today in the last two verses, as we close with this, notice what he says. He says, therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak in tongues, and there comes those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say you are out of your mind? Pretty clear, right, Paul? If we all come into church service and everybody's going, they're speaking in tongues, everybody's going to go, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I, I just, I, I. He says, but if all prophesy... And the unbeliever, uninformed person comes in, guess what? He is convinced by all, is convicted by all, and thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so, falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. That's what prophecy does. And that's what has happened to you. Guys, when you heard the word of God in your own language, and you understood it, and you understood the gospel, that's when you repented and said, I'll give my life to Jesus. I'll give my life to Jesus. And some of you got saved from a pastor in a pulpit where you walked forward. And some of you got saved with somebody else over coffee, talking and prophesying the word of God. You go, well, Ben, what's the conclusion of these things? Here it is. Let's not lose the beauty of simplicity. Okay? The beauty of simplicity is we don't have to be afraid of tongues. Okay, it's a beautiful language. We should desire them. Amen. So this week, just as when you when you're praying together, Lord, I just pray. I pray for the gift of the Holy Spirit, God. I pray for the gift of tongues, Lord. I want to be edified in that way. But Lord, more importantly, I want the gift of prophecy. I want to be able to encourage my brothers. I want to be able to. I want to uplift them, and I want to. I want to hug them, and I want to tell them how much God loves them, and I want to encourage them in their week. 
But also, in a more broader point, guys, don't lose the beauty of simplicity when it comes to the gospel. You see, here's the gospel. You ready? Jesus Christ, God's only son, both man and God, left heaven, came to earth, died on the cross to reconcile us back to him. We don't have to twist it. We don't have to get all weird. Oh, I've got a lot of work. Listen, I, I, had, a, I, had, a, I had a beautiful cousin of mine tell me, I'm, I feel like I'm offending God all the time. And I said, well, you're missing the gospel because the gospel says he doesn't look for offense in you. He sees his son, Jesus. I feel like I'm missing the mark. I know that's why Jesus died. I feel like I, I keep sinning. I know. Isn't that wonderful? Why? Because it means Jesus died. He knew exactly what we were going to go through. Don't, don't, don't complex the gospel message. It's simple. It's really simple. What is the gospel, right? Jesus Christ died for you. What does he want us to do? He says, just abide in me. Here's the focus. You ready? The focus should be for us this week and always to fall in love and love Jesus with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's all. That's what we got to do. You go, what about all the other stuff? That'll come naturally as you love God. That'll come naturally as you love God. Just focus on loving God. How do you love somebody? Spend time with them. Talk to them. Right? Walk with them. Feel their heartbeat and fall in love with God. That's where we're at today. The beauty of simplicity. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word this morning and the truth in your word. We love you so much, God. Thank you. Thank you that we can learn so much from you. So, God, we love you today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.